Welcome to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast where developing a long lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help, help, help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in couples counseling. Today, we have a special treat. We have Adam and Carissa King, a therapist and coach team with us today to interview. And we're going to talk about sex today. So it's a hot topic, pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> so Adam and Carissa, thank you for being on the show today. Ah, oh, it's our honor. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you for having us. Sure. So before we jump right into that topic, if you guys could share a little bit about your story, um, how you got started just working with couples and, you know, what makes you interested in talking about this topic, just share whatever you want us to hear about your story. Well, first of all, why not talk about this topic? It's just, <laughs> it's a fun topic. <laughs> for sure. We found that as a young married couple, we were not very prepared when it came to our expectations around yes. sex and intimacy. And um, that became a passionate topic for us when working with young married couples and even in our premarital work with couples, really equipping them and preparing them for what's ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is something near and dear to your own personal experience too, it sounds like. Yes, yes. for yes. sure. Yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the, go ahead. Adam. No, I was just going to say that's definitely been the spear point of our, our desire to help couples just because yeah. there are so many landmines that, that people find when trying to traverse this because with sex and intimacy, like, well, I think with, when we talk about sex, a lot of people think about intercourse, but sex is so much broader than that. Yeah. And intimacy is needed to get there. Yep. So it's difficult for people to express their feelings and desires around this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as my listeners know, this is an area my wife and I have had a lot of challenges in, in our past. Mm. Yeah. And so it's also something I've talked a lot about on the podcast and elsewhere. So it's also a topic near and dear to my heart also. Nice. Yeah. Ah. So maybe we can start it off with uh, what are some of the common challenges that you guys see when it comes to sex and intimacy in marriage? Yeah. First of all, the studies show that 91% of people either had sexual silence growing up or were told that sex is bad or they had the talk and that's all. And then it was like awkwardness and, and silence aside from that one talk. Um, only 9% of people had a healthy upbringing around sexuality where they were really trained and discipled around sexuality so that they went into marriage with a healthy understanding and confidence around their own sexuality. So I think that's the biggest problem we see that under it's underlying all the other reported problems, you know, like, oh, ED or vaginismus or pornography. Those might be the underlying, those might be the reported problems, but I think it all goes back to this upbringing that was really sexually silent. Sure. Sure. And then unfortunately, pornography tends to fill that silence yes. and then it creates all these distorted expectations. Then we bring that into yeah. our relationship and then all mm -hmm. sorts of issues can happen. Right. Yes. Well, we're, we have to learn somewhere and generally sure. it's from people. Well, it's from pornography. Mm -hmm. It's from friends who probably don't know what they're talking about and <laughs> probably learn themselves from pornography. Yeah. Um, and you know, Googling is not always the best option. So usually not there, the best option. <laughs> there isn't a great like way that um or there maybe isn't a 
path forward for a lot of yeah. uh, parents to know how to do this. Because yeah. in our culture, I think sex is just difficult to talk about, especially to our kids, because they're like, yeah. you know, from parents we've heard, well, that's just weird. You know, when do you do that? Mm-hmm. And generally, parents err on the side of being way too late. So the average age of pornography or exposure to pornography is eight to 11. So they've Mm -hmm. seen this, maybe been exposed to this for a long time. And then their parents is like, okay, (laughs) what gaps can I feel? Sure. Mm -hmm. So that's probably where we get a lot of the the expectations that aren't really um, matching reality. Yeah. Yeah. And with Hollywood too, right? So you see all oh, these absolutely. Hollywood movies <laughs> where everything's hot and heavy and spontaneous mm-hmm. and everything works. Perfect. perfect. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Lighting is perfect. Everything's perfect. Yeah. But like, you know, what's interesting is compatibility is an achievement of love. So many people I think are looking for, you know, that compatible person where it looks like a Hollywood set mm-hmm. instead of saying, oh, well, how can I learn to love my spouse in a way that is that is mutually enjoyable. And that's where we find compatibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the prerequisites, would you say, to have a good sex life and marriage? What are some of the foundational blocks that need to be in place? Mm-hmm. And when they're not in place, the sex life is not going to be in place. Yes. We like to say that frustration is the result of uncommunicated and or unmet expectations. And this goes, this is true in every area of life. We could talk about our finances or parenting, spending habits. Uh, This is also true of our sex life. And so one of the prerequisites I would say for having a quote unquote good sex life is we have to be communicating our expectations. A lot of people are okay with having sex, but very few people are okay with talking about sex before, yeah. during, and after having sex. And that's what we like to encourage couples to do. Talk about your sex life, your expectations before, during, and after you have sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What could some of those conversations look like? What would be some examples? Yeah. Well, there was a gap here. And so <laughs> we actually created a resource for it. Ah. Um, it's called Sexpectations and it's a card deck. And it just gives couples example questions to ask each other to be having these conversations mm-hmm. before they're having sex or maybe reflecting after they've had sex. Um, so it's uh, kind of a, we make it kind of a game so that they mm-hmm. can ask each other on a road trip. So they're not even like in the middle of having sex or trying to like have a night where they're building up to this experience. They're just getting to know each other and their sex expectations. Mm, Yeah. That's really great. That's great. You guys created a resource for this also. Yeah. 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 We found that just so many couples didn't really know what questions to be asking. They just Uh didn't, they, they didn't like what they were having, the type (laughs) of sex they were having. And so of course, like I just, I, you know, want it to change. I want it to be different. I want you to know me better. Yeah. But then bringing up sex was just difficult. Sure. So sure. we created a, yeah, just a card deck of 52 questions that ask the questions that we know need to be asked. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it makes it less awkward. Um, mm-hmm. You're like, you Hey, know. it's not me saying this. This is the card. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so they're like looking through them. You know? So some examples would be like, how can I let you know when I want to be physically intimate, but not have sex? That's a question you could ask. And that's one of the expectations that often go unmet because they don't know. They don't know the answer to that question or mm-hmm. even know to ask that question. Or like, why, yeah. I mean, because I mean, how many times have you heard a, a wife 
lot of times say something like, you only touch me when you want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not an object, you know. Right. Don't you want to be intimate with me rather than just always have sex? Yep. <laughs> so having this conversation ahead of time equips them even outside of the context where they're upset because there was an initiation and it didn't go well. And now you feel rejected. This is just us talking about our sex expectations in a completely mm-hmm. neutral, safe zone. Super. Yeah. What's yeah. an example of a question during sexual contact? Yeah. Mm. So that would be like, how does this feel for you? Should mm-hmm. I keep doing this? Hey, redirect me. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things you would say while you're having sex. Well, okay. So she did this all nice, but what normal normally happens mm-hmm. is, you know, maybe someone is one of the spouses or you know, one of the partners is touching one annoyingly and the, the other person like, Hey, you know, swats their hand away and says, no, don't do that or stop. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, and that's totally a turnoff because I'm like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to mm-hmm. enjoy this with you. I'm trying to please you. Yeah. And so that feels like a total rejection. So Krista gave you the wording there yep. saying, hey, do this instead, or this would maybe feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a redirection rather than a stop it. Yeah, that's right. And then just affirmations too. That that would be another script yes. to add while having sex is that feels blank or thank you, keep doing that. Yes. Like just affirming what they are doing well. Yeah. I think that's huge. Positive redirect with affirmation. So Mm -hmm. when your partner is doing something that's not comfortable or it's not having the impact that they're, they're thinking it's having or hoping it's having Mm -hmm. instead Mm -hmm. of scolding your partner or correcting your partner, which is going to make them shrivel up and die. (laughs) Um, Literally. Yeah. Instead redirect what they're doing to something that feels better and then affirm it. Cause you really, you really are training your partner on how to touch you, where to touch you. And that may change each time as well. It may not be the same every single time. So having Mm -hmm. those lines of communication open are so important for both parties. For sure. That's a good point. And then what about afterwards? What's an example of a question after you've had sexual contact? Yeah. Hmm. So depending on what the sexual contact and the context was like, you could say something like, say you scheduled it that time, like you were planning for it. You could ask a question like, what was that like for you to schedule sex? Did it take away from the excitement or did it give us something to look forward to? Mm -hmm. So you're reflecting on whatever the context was, if it was scheduling sex, for instance. Another question we like to ask is what went well Mm -hmm. just now? Like what was your favorite part of that? Mm -hmm. What part of that didn't go so well for you right. that I can change for you because every single time that we engage in sexual contact it's an it's a learning opportunity mm-hmm. it's going i love her but it's also a knowing process every single person wants to be loved and known yeah. the pro- problem is is a lot of people aren't known but have loved that's superficial our deepest fear is to be known but not loved but if we can marry the two of those and and go into it like I want to learn you because you matter to me. I want to please you because your joy is worth my effort in this area. Mm-hmm. And I want to know the only way for me to know really is to ask really good questions and have a lot of patience and 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 be curious. Mm-hmm. Not going into with walls but be curious. Mm-hmm. That would probably be the most important um, virtue yeah. to use a, a word like the best virtue I can think in marriage really is just curiosity about your partner. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much data 
at the end of a sexual experience that can be yes. gleaned and gathered. Yes. You've just gone through this experience. Mm-hmm. So, so many couples just like go to sleep or get up and walk off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is unfortunate because in that yeah. moment, there's so much rich data that can be mm. gathered through questions. Yes. You know, what was that like for you? What did you enjoy? What could have been better? Yes. Um, and then, about the experience itself, sure. but also about the, the leading up to it and the context, like, Hey, how did that feel that I prioritized sex tonight? Yeah. Cause other nights I, I don't, but I prioritized it tonight or I, I stopped working or I, you know, we put the the kids to bed on time and made sex a priority. Like, how did that feel for you? Yeah. Right. Sure. Sure. So what would you recommend to couples where there's a high libido partner and a low libido partner and the high libido partner is frustrated because they don't have sex enough. And the low libido partner is frustrated because they feel like all you want is my body. All you care about is sex. How do you, how do you help couples with that standoff? That's all. Yes. We have a whole workshop on this called the drive gap. Just because Ah, this is such a big thing for a lot of couples. I mean, I think it happens in almost nearly every marriage. Yeah. It's just a different uh, desire uh, or desire. I I don't know how you measure desire drive for sex. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes through seasons. You might have a season where one of you has a higher libido than the other and then it flip-flops or maybe it does kind of level out depending on hormones and age and stage and parenting and sleepless nights and you know sickness and all of the above um so recognize that it could be in stages this may not be a forever thing and also neither of you are wrong i think that's the most relieving response for people to hear is you're not wrong for having a different sex drive than your spouse mm-hmm. when do we ever say like you like mild salsa and you like spicy salsa and you're you're wrong. wrong. (laughs) You like coffee. You like tea. You're wrong. We don't do that. And when it comes to sex drive, it's very similar. You know, are there things we can do to give us a different appetite for salsa or coffee or tea or sex? Absolutely. And we can address those logistics, but recognize at the forefront that you're not wrong for having a different sex drive than your Mm -hmm. spouse. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. That's right. right. Yeah. Right. And and mm-hmm. that's taking into consideration also like that there isn't a sexless marriage. Right. You know, like let's say that they're having sex, you know, one partner is wanting sex four times a week, the other one's want, wanting it only twice. There's a gap, <laughs> that's frustrating, but mm-hmm. that's within the normal spectrum of desire that yeah. we that we mm-hmm. see. So then we would want to ask, well, how can we make the party that I'm inviting you to a lot more enjoyable. How do I, you know, well, to use the dual control model, how do I um, learn what your breaks are? And, you know, because a lot of people have different um, breaks that stop them from desire, stop them from wanting to feel desire. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then how do I increase the accelerator on this thing? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things that accelerate your drive and make you want to join me at the party? Mm-hmm. And then also the last thing I would say is, you know, people use also like the, the analogy of some people have a uh, parking brake on that's just all the way up. And normally that's trauma or some sort of abuse in someone's background. You know, if you really want to change your, your desire, maybe addressing some of those things and getting very clear and talking about them with a counselor, mm-hmm. therapist, 
someone just to get very clear out like and, and processing maybe that that parking break that's up yes because yeah. you could get you can have sex but when you get to where you want to be there could be a lot of smoke and it took a lot of gas to get there mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. very tiring and may burn them out for a while of wanting to do it again yeah absolutely yeah and you guys probably have read these studies too where on average one in every three women have had unwanted sexual experiences and one right. in every five men yes. have unwanted sexual experiences. It can either make you hypersexual mm-hmm. or hyposexual. Yes. That's right. Avoid all contact. And if you're mm-hmm. not healing those, that original trauma, having sex with your partner can be re-traumatizing you on some level. Yes, Absolutely. And, make, and making you feel like your partner is just like them. Yeah. Right? Your, your partner's an enemy and a villain, mm-hmm. just like this person that hurt me growing up. Yep. And so that mm-hmm. is a really common issue. Yeah. Um, it is. That's really, tr- tr- really difficult for the marriage. It traumatizes the marriage when it there's does. for either partner. Absolutely. It does. And a lot of people too try to push it away or justify it or, you know, suppress it by saying, well, yeah. that was 10 years ago. It doesn't affect me as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what we like to say is time doesn't heal things, action over time does. Yeah. And if you avoid it, you know, Almost everything in the universe tends to entropy or to fall apart. Yeah. Um, over time, you know, you're building a house that's your marriage or your relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to put time and effort into it, or it will dilapidate. Yeah. It will fall apart. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So. Yeah. So this dual control model you mentioned, um, you know, I've I've read about that in the book "Come as You Are." Yes. Mm-hmm. Probably the one you're thinking of as well. Yeah. So just for the listeners, what this says is that we all have a gas pedal and a brake pedal or an accelerator and brakes. Mm-hmm. And some of us who are, you know, higher libido have very sensitive accelerators where it doesn't take much to step on the gas to get you in the mood. Mm-hmm. Other people have really sensitive brakes where a lot of things will make them pump the brakes and that makes them kind of pull away from potential sexual contact. And so it's an interesting way to think of high and low libido um, partners is how strong is your gas pedal versus your brake pedal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's what it. else would you guys like to say about that model? Something just kind of to relate that model with someone who has an e-breakup or trauma um, is don't try to drive the car with the e-brake up. Say no to painful or lousy sex. Always. That actually, if you're the lower libido spouse, that's going to help your libido. If you are in control and you feel empowered to say no to painful and lousy sex, then the party potentially uh, down the line, when you decide to go to that party, it's going to be much more inviting. You're going to have better music at the party. These are these are your, you know, accelerators that you might be able to tap into more readily once that e-break is gone and you know you're going to be safe at this party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like the analogy of sex as a party. <laughs> yeah. Invited to a party. What would you say to someone who says, I don't like the party? change what's at the party. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't like the music, you don't like the food, you don't like the person at the party. You don't like all these contexts. Like, why would you say yes to going to that party? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, pressure sometimes for that RSVP. And, you know, a lot of people don't even want to send that in. There's, they don't want to put their party clothes on. Mm -hmm. They don't want to drive the the distance it takes to get to the party. Mm -hmm. What I think needs to happen and get getting back to sex expectations is that, okay, 
how can we make this a pleasurable party? Mm-hmm. And this takes just a lot of patience, just sitting down and saying, okay, I mean, if for those that are listening right now, write out, you know, get a piece of paper, draw a line right down the middle of it and start to write out, Hey, what gets you in the mood for sex? Like if I, if I stink, you know, if I have bad BO, that's a bet. That's a huge break for my wife. Don't want to go to that party. No, <laughs> not going to that party. That's not enjoyable. Yeah. Somebody needs to like make that thing, you know, make it, that thing, make it t- like taste and smell. And, you know, there's so many things that we could do to incorporate the senses. And yeah. oftentimes people overlook the senses in their, in their, um, in their drive to get to a certain locale at mm. the party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the detriment of the entire experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like how it also encourages the high libido partner to be mindful of their partner's experience yeah. instead, of just, instead of just their own experience. So if we use the analogy of a party, you're thinking of, okay, well, I want to have a party because I'd like to party, right? That's how a high libido <laughs> partner would think. Yeah. Right. Um, but how can I set up this party in a way that's going to invite my partner to want to come to yes. the party? Yep. Um, you know, what kind of music do they like? Or what kind of balloons? What kind of, you know, <laughs> things they like to eat at the party? Yep. So it, it's kind of taking the focus off of just yourself and being mindful of your partner. So it's, a, it's yep. an enjoyable party for both. Absolutely. Yes. And it also, I think, draws back to like, what's the relationship like before the party? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if you really don't like the person that's inviting you. Right. I'm not going to their party. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're an idiot. They exactly. don't care about me or my feelings or how I feel. It's just yeah. about them. They only talk about them. They only do things for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because then it, it's, it makes you think about, okay, well, if I want to invite this part person to a party, um, what, what should I do to encourage them to want to attend? I know right now we're not on very good terms, so they'll probably turn down my invitation. Yeah. So how can I build the relationship with that person? Cause that's going to motivate them to want to come to the party. Exactly. Ah. Yep. And so that's where you're working on your emotional intimacy. And a lot of that has to do with this expectations, right? Mm-hmm. It may not be about sex itself. Maybe it's about, Hey, when you have a lot of stress, when your workload is this high, What does that do for your overall mood, your fatigue, your body image, and our relationship? That we didn't even talk about sex, Mm. right? But that's part of sex expectations is building that emotional intimacy. Yeah. And I think that's a learning curve uh, for high libido partners to understand sex from that lens. Because for a lot of lower libido partners, sex is much more complicated, it's much more broad, it's much more contextual, and there's all Mm -hmm. these different variables. Whereas high libido partners, it's much more laser focused. It's yep. much yep. more like point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even be, learning how to think of sex from your partner who has maybe a lower libido, thinking of it from their lens, I think can go a long way. So help you Good. see it more from their vantage point. Yeah. And when they strive to take those steps to the vantage point of their partner, that means a lot. Sure. Mm-hmm. That means a lot to that person. Like, Hey, they're really trying. Yeah. And it's maybe not just, especially if they don't feel like this is a manipulation tactic. You yeah. Know? Right. If they're like, I really want to know you and you matter to me mm-hmm. yeah. and I want to make this experience wonderful. And how can we do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bringing them into this whole discussion rather than like, I'm angry mm-hmm. and you need to, you just need to want sex more. Like, that, that doesn't yeah. work. Yep. Yeah. And that's usually the go-to 
Right. And this is where I struggled in my own marriage early on um, (laughs) because because my wife had sexual trauma growing up. Mm. And and so she did go that hypo sexual Mm -hmm. route. And as a young married couple, I didn't know how to react to her complete disinterest and contact. Right. And unfortunately, I did respond with anger. But Mm -hmm. underneath the anger was hurt and feeling rejected and unwanted. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to learn that that's what I need to talk about. Yeah. I need to talk about the tender underbelly underneath the anger. Yes. Uh, like, oh, this is hurting me, or I'm feeling unwanted or rejected. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling sad. It was very hard for me as a young married man to put those words to my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But once once I was able to start expressing my experience with those tender words, it brought around a different side of my wife, which made her much more receptive to my experience. And it brought us closer together and it started our healing journey, which was a long journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the beginning, it was a disaster because her trauma was getting reactivated in our marriage. She avoided, I respond with anger, which made her feel even more unsafe. So she avoided further. Yes. It was a bomb. It was like a bomb blew off. (laughs) Yeah. I bet. Was it, was it worth all the effort that you guys put in to heal the wounds? Oh yeah. And, and unfortunately I was just starting graduate school as a young therapist. And I made the mistake of thinking I can be our therapist. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And that just, that just made it worse. Cause then yeah. I was like, we don't need a therapist. I'm a, I'm becoming one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had to swallow my pride and realize I cannot be our therapist. Yes. Um, it's not healthy. I'm not objective. And so, yeah. so finally we reached out for help and we, we saw trauma therapists for about five years. Yeah, that's good. Really work through all the healing and the ramifications of what it did to our relationship. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can definitely work. But how beautiful when you guys go through that process together and watch the healing take place and then have that sex that you never experienced before. Mm -hmm. It's just like, wow, I didn't even know this existed. And that deep, intimate connection that you didn't know existed either. That's right. I still have to pinch myself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's that. I mean, your story isn't far off from a lot of couples that just haven't seen therapy as a viable option. Like it, maybe it's what other people do, but whatever, like we're just stuck here. Sure. So as we wind down, what would be like one or two tips you'd love to leave the listeners with on this touchy, you know, you know, volatile topic of sexual contact, sexual intimacy, what would you guys like to leave them with? Mm. I would say vulnerability is difficult, but worth it. It requires vulnerability to have a better sex life, to feel more intimately connected with your spouse. But when you can get vulnerable and open yourself up and it's received well by your spouse, that's the path to becoming fully loved and fully known. Mm. And how are you defining being vulnerable when you say that? It's exposing yourself. I mean, we're talking about sexuality, so you can think of it as nakedness, but really it's emotional nakedness and physical nakedness and spiritual nakedness. It's vulnerability on all levels. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Great. What about you, Al or Adam? I think that, well, Esther Perel said that sex isn't uh, a thing you do, but it's a place you go. And I would encourage, especially men, Um, I wouldn't have considered myself before very emotionally intelligent. Um, I just didn't have very much training in that area. So learning to love my wife emotionally, like being able to have a conversation and look deep into what's 
actually helping and hurting and just kind of like being vulnerable, but in this way that I would say to enjoy the journey, orgasm is wonderful, but it's a very short span of time. I see a lot of men very focused, including myself, on orgasm rather than enjoying the process, enjoying the journey. So it's not about the destination. It's about the journey that both of you go on. And that's really where that intimate connection is made. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying the journey also, I think is so nice because then it allows your partner time to catch up and to, you know, get their motor revving because you got the microwave (laughs) versus the crock pot. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a good reminder just to take it slow and try to match the the buildup. So you're both enjoying the process. Look out the window and enjoy the scenery. Yeah. Yeah. Good guys. So if the listeners wanted to connect with you and follow you, what's the best place for them to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, they can connect with us on podcasts. So our podcast is called Dear Young Married Couple. And they can also, if they wanted to grab the Sexpectations deck, they can get that on Amazon. But they Um, have to Google Sexpectations because Google flagged the word. Amazon. Or Amazon, sorry. (laughs) Amazon flagged the word Sexpectations. So it's only in like this like... Non-searchable category. Non-searchable category. So Google Sexpectations card deck. It'll be the first thing that pops up and you can, it'll take you to Amazon and you can get it there next day shipping. Um, and then connect with us on social, dear young married couple on Instagram, YouTube, podcast, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, we'd love to connect with you and hear about your journey. Awesome. Well, thanks guys again. I appreciate your time. And I'm sure all the listeners are going to really benefit from the tips you shared today. So I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having us. It's been wonderful. Sure. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to click the five stars and leave a review. For more resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. So if you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. But if you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.